0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to have diversity in thought but not create division in community and where we want people to learn how to think, not what to think. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City Church, and I am here um, with my co-host, Mr. John Wagler. John,
1: what's going on, man? Just chilling today. Just got done with staff meeting it's Waggler, fa- fa- like Waggler Family Health Week this week. Nice, And like no TV, no sweets. I don't. We're one day in, so yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll get back to you next next week on that. We
0: did no TV last week, um, and it was like it was legitimately. It showed that our kids are like screen time is like alcohol for them. If they have a little, <laughs> it's nice. They're fun. The more they have, yeah. the less fun they are.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you.
0: Um, so production note, we are recording on a Tuesday, which is not what we normally do. And that means that the office is full. People are having lunch. We just decided to record during the worst and most, <laughs> the loudest time in our office. So if you guys hear a little bit of background chatter, um, apologies in advance. We've already shushed everyone twice and our fellow coworkers. Have less love for us. <laughs> it's very <laughs> because, true. because of it. Um, so yeah, just a little note. So this week, thanks everybody for joining us um, again. Um, we've had a great last couple of episodes. Our preachers and sneakers episode got a little a little love from. Yeah, that was awesome. Actual preachers and sneakers. So yep. the guy that ran the Instagram account um, actually messaged us and said that he really appreciated the conversation, which was good to know. Um, and so this week, uh, since we got a what. We'll we'll consider a break (laughs) talking about finances. We're going to go back into the heavy stuff and talk about guns. Um, So it's been obviously uh, a topic of conversation. I mean, gosh, I guess you could say it's been a topic of conversation since Columbine when I was in middle school. But really, you know, recently there's been a couple uh, a rash of mass shootings yet again. Um, And so guns are back on the discussion table in a very hot and heavy way. So we wanted to um, not, you know, sort of shirk our um, imperative to broach the hard topics um, and talk about firearms. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to we don't have a guest um, and we want to kind of explain that a little bit, I think, is that. You know, yeah, that's a good right. idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm getting John to like slowly consent to everything we're doing as we move <laughs> forward. Um so we talked to a couple of folks in our community that are friends of ours who we care about um who are gun owners. And what we started to figure out was um that the conversation would be obviously more perspectives is always better and always a good rich thing. But we were kind of getting to this place where everyone we talked to, we all came to the same conclusion, which is gun control is a good thing Mm -hmm. um like we really don't we're not in a relationship with anyone right now and maybe this is um an indictment on us for not having a diverse enough friend group but like we're not we couldn't really find anyone to be on the show that was going to be like no like if you regulate guns then we lose our civil liberties every the gun owners that we talked to were a responsible gun owners and and not necessarily just like oh i own a 22 and i like shoot you know targets sometimes like you know there were a couple of folks that we spoke with that, like, own guns, you know. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, um, yeah you know, yeah. for for everything from self-defense to sport to hunting. But they all sort of came around to that pretty, I would say, practical conclusion of, like, yeah, something's wrong. We need to change the law. Um, so what we decided to do was keep it the two of us because between John and I, um, some of you may be surprised to find that we... Although are very joined on this issue right now, we have very different perspectives and experiences, mm-hmm. I think, with guns. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be John and I. Um, maybe, you know, always, you know, y'all's uh, feedback and suggestions, questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. So you can email us at curious at hillcityrva.com and say, hey, you know, I think you guys did a disservice. Let's do another one or here's a suggestion. And, and maybe we will, but for today for this week um john and i uh, are just going to give our different perspectives on not just what's going on now but our own personal history with firearms yeah yeah so let's do it john th- it's funny you and i have talked a lot about guns now but mm-hmm. i've never really heard your perspective on <laughs> like did you grow up with guns have you shot guns before have you owned guns so give me sort of the you know the quick and dirty on john wagler and guns
1: yeah and i didn't grow up with them uh <clears throat> nor really ever i mean i've shot a shotgun a few times but i've ever done skeet shooting um but that's really it and i haven't done anything more than that i for me in my perspective i'm not an anti-gun person in terms of i think it's fine if people have them at home and they're responsible and all those things that never phases me uh when it comes to this conversation n- now look, actually let me take that back do i wish there were no guns anywhere i do Okay, so like I would say that, and but I'm not an anti-gun person. So for me in this conversation, it really has more to do with our Christian response, how we think about this stuff, maybe taking a look at some uh, different ways of thinking around this that don't have to involve always politics, you know, and I think there's some things that we can do because... I think when you look at the conversation as a whole, like, so there are some things that really bother me about the conversation. You know, like for instance, I hate when people talk about, "Well, let's take cars off the streets then, too." And I'm like, that's like the dumbest argument and the most illogical thing to say. Um, sorry if you're listening; you've used that. I didn't mean to call it. Well, not. well unpack it a little bit. Like, yeah, like, why so, is it dumb to you? Well, it's dumb to me because uh, first of all, there are a zillion tests to actually be able to drive a car. Um, you've got. Uh, so many laws you've got things that are in place to prevent things with a car and if an accident happens with a car there's also intent Mm. you know you're not as a whole people aren't trying to go kill people in a car Mm. you know and so it's a the 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 two analogies of or using the analogy of like well let's take guns or let's take cars off the street It it's illogical. It does you know. It's when someone can go on the internet and buy a gun with no training, with no background check. With it's silly. It's like that doesn't happen with a car. Like we're not. You've got to take a test. You you got to take multiple tests. You have to prove you can drive a car. You have a you have a driver's permit time. Like you have to ride with people who can assist you with driving the car. Then you have to written test. You have then you have to do the actual test, and then you got to then retest after a certain amount of time. you got to carry insurance. If you get a DUI, you can't get a car. Like, all these things that are set in place to prevent certain things. And I've heard people talk about, like, what about medical errors and stuff? And again, I'm like, it's intent. It's not the same thing. And so, and again, even in the medical field, they got all these things. When something bad happens, they got all these processes that are in place to try and stop all of them. And so... I so for me, I'm like I can't stand those arguments because it it totally skirts the actual problem that we have. Because if you think about it, every other like there are a lot of countries that have same kind of access to guns as we do, but they don't have the same problem with guns as we do. Mm. You know, with violence and even statistically speaking, like we're up there. Mm. You know, and and so there's uh there, so there's that piece that they've had the same video games, You're right? You know, and they have the The same access to movies and everything else that people keep saying, like, those are the issues. And I'm not saying they don't play in in some in some capacity, but don't say that that's the issue when we've we've got some other kind of of problem in our country. Mm -hmm. Now, either we have a gun problem in our country Mm -hmm. uh, because we have the most per person in the world, uh, which I think that's part of it. And then the other thing you got to deal with, I think in this conversation, we'll get to this a lot later, but. If, if we don't have a gun problem, then we have to then also say that we have the most massive sin problem in the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, more so, so like, than others. Right. So we got to deal with right. something there. And so I, you know, I just, that's part of the conversation from my perspective. Uh, I even read this uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, but how bizarre this is that Afghanistan, Central African Republic, Iraq, Somalia, the South Sudan and Yemen all have smaller percentage of deaths via guns than we do. Hmm. Which is crazy. It's crazy. So like, I, I mean, it's just perspective. Because right? when you
0: think, I mean, for us as Americans and like, look, I'll chant down racism and xenophobia until I'm blue in the face. Sure. But the reason that I chant those things down is because I know I also have them in me. Right. When I think of some of those places you just named, what comes to my brain is like people literally just walking around <laughs> with Kalashnikovs. Because, yeah. And I understand that that's not real. But like in my, you know, uh, sort of racist, like, you know, American view and so to think of the those places you listed having less yeah. gun deaths than us is a bonkers.
1: Yeah, and so even stuff like that, I I just I think it's more like the silly arguments that with this perspective stuff for me is even when people always bring up Chicago, right? You know, and and they're like they have the, the harshest gun laws, and look what happens there. And I'm like, yeah, but they just go to Indiana, right? I mean, that's been proven. Like right. that's what people do. They have lax laws, and mm. and so I don't know. I just. When we have this conversation, and and you're going to share your perspective, of course, and 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 just looking at the board, it says irresponsible gun owner, which just makes me laugh. But like, they're they're, I think for me, it's more around, hey, how do we really talk about this? How can we have constructive conversations? I think there's an awareness piece to this, right? Like the political corruption mm. of all of this is just shocking. I was listening to a, a guy a few days ago. I'm talking about the bill that was introduced in 2015, I think, or no, I'm sorry. It was this year, this past year, Mm -hmm. the background check bill um, earlier on in 2019 that had bipartisan support. And uh, in that over 90% of Americans agreed with the background check Mm. that was in there. And then it gets blocked in the Senate. Mm. So it's, I mean like that, that in and of itself shows like the, the corruption that we have in our own politics and, and honestly, it's simply the fact that isn't that like a democratic crisis? Yeah, Th-
0: like democracy is literally at its base. Ninety percent of people want it, so it happens. and, yeah. and
1: yeah. like so, there's stuff like that where, I, for, like, when you know, my perspective on this, and this is where I always go because I'm not a gun owner, and everything. So like, my perspective is: how do we talk about this? How can maybe we have better exchange of information with each other? Um, with that. What about you? Like, yeah. I know you've, you've got a, a couple of funny stories about it, but yeah. what's your perspective?
0: Yeah, so I come from a perspective of I was also not raised with guns. Um, my dad was a fisherman, and I can even remember him uh, having friends that, you know, just being like outdoorsy, right? You have friends that are um, like, go duck hunting or whatever. And I remember my dad specifically even with one of his best friends, kind of being like, Meh. Not really. I don't know if he never went duck hunting, but like, he just didn't like guns. I mean, I remember being raised in a very non-gun environment, um, and so uh, you know, I got a little older, and I think it was when I was eighteen or nineteen years old. I had my first. Sorry, let me take that back. My first experience was a gun with a gun was somebody waving one in my face. <laughs> um, because uh, an important sort of aside to this is I am a pacifist now and was not always a pacifist. Um, So I was... Not even close. No, I was... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And some of this, you know, we can laugh, I think. And and if you know me, like, you know, I'm pretty open about, like, my flaws and, and all that stuff. But some of this can be, like... I'm a little self-conscious about sure. yeah, <laughs> some of this stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely um, was, I, I was picked on a lot in like middle school and high school just for being different and like having weird hair and liking, you know, whatever different stuff. So there was a point at which I was decide- I decided I would not be picked on anymore um, and got real scrappy. Um, and that kind of carried over into my adult life in a really toxic way. So much so that um, I, as we sit here, I have a violent conviction on my record that i can never get expunged for fighting um and almost went to jail for a while Um, because i was a fighter like i was a even even when i came back to christ in my early 20s i very much had a attitude that i know some people still have which is like yes but you know uh, of like well i get that but i'm not gonna let someone shove me or call me a name or whatever like i'm all in for jesus except for right so, um, I was scrappy and I, I, we were a buddy of mine and I were after this kid who had done something to a friend of ours, whatever, you know, however those silly, you know, 17, 18 year old fights happen. And his older brother hopped out of the car and pulled a gun out. And, um, that was my first experience with a gun. So, uh, I, I, I feel like my friend who's a lot tougher than me, like yelled back at him, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> to which I just kind of like. <laughs> I didn't run or anything, but I was kind of just like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. I hope we don't get shot. And nothing happened, but still, crazy experience, right? Um, uh, After that, uh, about a year or two later, um, a friend of the family has an older brother who was, mm, he might have, he was military. I won't try to say what branch because I don't remember, but. Um, they had some land in Florida where I grew up and, um, it came up one time like, Hey, do you want to go shoot guns? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And you know, so-and-so's brother has a bunch of really crazy guns and sure enough, his gun locker had some very not hunting guns. Um, they were guns that are made to kill people. Um, and so we went, um, out onto their land and had, you know, targets shaped like people, um, like you, like they use in the military And I shot some guns and um, it was everything from like a Desert Eagle, which is a big handgun. We shot a a thing called a Judge, which if you've never seen one, it's like it looks like a badly drawn. It looks like a revolver from a badly drawn comic book. It's a revolver that shoots shotgun shells. Mm. So that's not for anything (laughs) besides just having a huge gun Um, and some rifles and some other just like very not. Nothing that would pass as, like, a hunting gun, a sawed-off shotgun, um, like, combat shotgun. And I can remember then having a sense of, like, this is this feels wrong. Um, like, it felt to me like that because if you've ever shot, especially a handgun, that first one, even if you're prepared and, like, you know how to handle guns and you're, you know, um, that first shot is kind of like the rumble in your hands is weird. It's like, oh, my gosh. It's like holding a piece of thunder, right? Right. Um, And I remember thinking, like, this is too much for any person. Like, no person should have this power. Um, But I kind of, like, whatever, sloughed it off. And then um, probably a year later, um, I think I've got this timeline right. About a year later, I was engaged to my wife, who ended up being the hero of the story, as she so often does. Um, And uh, I was starting a business screen printing T-shirts, And the screen printing, uh, the place where where we were opening up shop was like, whatever, considered a not great neighborhood or not great part of town. So I justified it in my head that I needed a gun to keep at the at the shop, Um, which I think, again, you like if you say, oh, yeah, I opened a shop and I want to protect it. So I'm going to get a a small firearm for most of the country is just like, yeah, all right. Sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, whatever. It wasn't anything wild. Um, But, uh, you know. First off, I shouldn't have had a gun. I didn't know how to. It was clearly, I didn't know how to use one. My experiences were like shooting some crazy guns with like a military guy who was drunk, um, and having a gun waved in my face. I wasn't raised around them. I have no military or security experience, and yet, within two days of deciding I needed a gun, <laughs> um, a buddy of mine's dad was selling his Ruger nine millimeter semi-automatic handgun with a bunch of bullets and magazines. And so I took a couple hundred bucks, literally just handed money to my buddy and my buddy gave me one piece of paperwork for me to sign. And now I have a gun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was terrible. I mean, I was, a to give you perspective, so I was engaged to be married but that sort of belies my age, I was 20 at the time. Right, yeah. Um, I was 20, I had a cast on my hand because I'd gotten pissed off a couple of days before and punched a wall twice and broke my hand in two different places and now I have a gun. <laughs> and I, you know, I learned how to like load it. I learned how to load the magazines and the fir- I feel like the first thing I did. And again, this is not sorry, I shouldn't this is not an indictment on responsible gun owners. This is just to illustrate, yeah, exactly what it takes to get get and have a gun. Um within a couple of days the you know I I was emptying the chamber, dropping the magazine out of it, and just waving it in everyone's face because I thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And all of my friends were so nervous that I had it because I had a temper, tantrum yeah. I had a temper yeah. problem, and I thought that was the funniest. So people would come into the shop, and I would just like whip it out and like you know stick it in their face, and they'd scream or like be really upset, and I thought that was hilarious. Um, and I didn't tell my wife that I had this gun. Well, my sorry, my fiance at the time. So it, we're all hanging out on the porch one day just joking around or one evening just joking around and somebody brings up like yeah Matt's gonna blow his foot off and Jenny's standing there and she's like blow your foot off with what I said "Uh, (laughs) oh yeah I meant to talk to you about that well she pretty much made it clear right then and there in front of everybody that we weren't getting married if I had a gun Um, and I don't even think it's because she's super anti-gun but she knows me I mean I'm standing there with a broken hand because I
1: punched a wall from
0: being angry at someone and she's like, no, absolutely She knows how the not. story ends. But, right, yeah. exactly, yeah. because she knew me, and she's like, get rid of it. I don't care what you do with it. You know, get rid of it. And um, so I did. I think I gave it back to the guy that I bought it from, and he gave me my money back. But I got rid of it, and I didn't, you know, I, I think I was more, like, kind of, like, whiny hurt over, like, mm, my, my girlfriend made me get rid of my gun. But later I reflected, as, as so, and then, you know, cut a couple of years into our marriage and i'm you know on trial for assault <laughs> and i'm reevaluating my whole life and my faith and who i am and what my problems are and i realized like oh my gosh i a have a serious problem and b what if i had that problem in a gun
1: <laughs> right yeah
0: um and so i just kind of want to give some perspective on like as me as a as a former irresponsible gun owner. So rather than right now having someone come on and say like, here's how you can be a good gun owner or like, here's how I see guns healthily. Here's how I experience guns in an unhealthy way. um, And how I'm afraid that a lot of people experience guns. And I think, again, a lot of people experience guns in a dad took me hunting and then maybe, or maybe I had service, you know, I have military service and I understand the responsibility of a gun. Right. Um, But for me, you know, And thinking about all the other me's that exist in this world I read a lot of comic books (laughs) Um, I had a temper tantrum you know I had a temper problem I felt small from being picked you know being picked on in school made me feel small um, and made me and again the reason that I started getting scrappy as I got older was not because I was tough or not because I didn't come from a loving caring anti-violent environment it was simply because kids are mean and school is hard and so at some point, I decided I wasn't going to take any you-know-what off of anyone. Mm-hmm. So now, the worst type of person to have a gun, right? Yeah. Um, and and also, I lived in a power fantasy. Like, I've heard you joke about, like, guys with guns all think they're John Wick, you know? Guys <laughs> with the handguns all yeah. think they're John Wick. And that was, John Wick wasn't out yet, but I thought I was the Punisher or, or yeah. one of these comic books, you know, Captain America or one of these guys. And so the reality of it is, is that if I had continued to own that gun, I would have found a reason to use it. Mm -hmm. whether it was out of anger or whatever. And often I think about like, what if I had matured? What if I had kept the gun, but gotten a better attitude about it? And still, if somebody had broken into our house and I had shot them, what are the chances that that person was going to murder me? Like,
1: People very who, small. Small. Small, small. People,
0: small. you know, as we as I continued to get older and, and live in different places and meet different types of people, like we lived in again, what some people would consider a questionable part of Churchill, but I know that questionable is is a relative term. Um and we lived next to a guy who was who was it was a section eight house and he dealt drugs. I mean he was a drug dealer. We became friends with him. He was, he thought that our kids were like his nephew. He would always slip a $5 bill into our, into our <laughs> cash's hands. I kind of do. But like just living in that environment and there being crime around, what I came to realize was somebody who breaks into your house 99% of the time is looking for money mm-hmm. or drugs or is on drugs and isn't sure what they're doing or is just desperate. And it's like, do I want to murder a desperate poor person? Yeah. No. No. Um, now again like there is that that rare occurrence like um, and it's happened here in town and affected a lot of people and that that shouldn't be minimized there is that rare occurrence where people under an evil influence or who are themselves evil or sick you know break into somebody's house or do something with the intent of hurting or killing somebody I understand
1: that but even in those situations the chances of someone being able to defend right like I was listening to some FBI guys talk and I'm uh, um, recently and I'm talking with one of them actually personally and him just saying that the belief this is why I always joke about John Wick or Jason Bourne mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. The, the the belief of what you can actually do with a gun and the time that you will have to actually make a decision to do something with that gun. 99 point something percent of people are not trained and prepared to do so.
0: No. I mean, you even think about those movies. The whole premise of those movies is that there's a guy so trained (laughs) that he's a super person.
1: Yeah. Now, like, now there's scenarios that, again, like, we aren't, neither one of us, like, responsible gun owners. We're not saying, like, take the guns away or anything. So this isn't even, like, an indictment if you own a gun. It's not an indictment on you. It's just more about... Hey, we've got to have realistic expectations about what's going to happen, you know, with the gun. Right. You know, even like in a, in Dayton, the the police responded in th- they shot the dude in thirty seconds, and
0: he still killed nine. And he people. He still killed nine people.
1: Right. So, you know, for most people, you think about again, there's the the one percenters that were former police officers or trained in the military or whatever. In those scenarios, yep, they could unholster and figure out what to do. But by far, the majority of people are not them, you know, and there's chaos and people running everywhere. And so you're telling me that in those 30 seconds, you would have done something better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I understand that there are stories about people who have helped people, you know. And so I, I don't want to, like, belittle those moments mm-hmm. that... When folks have been like, no, I know someone who's carrying and stopped a robbery or step. And so I'm like, I get it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not even it's more the responsibility part in some little things that we can do culturally. Uh, I heard uh, the other day that it's 80 percent of the guns used in these mass shootings were obtained illegally. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are things that we can do from a society level. Mm-hmm. Right. That can
0: help. Yeah. And I think, you know, my challenge, I probably... Mm-hmm. I would even be for me be hard pressed to say that I am on the side of like gun control over gun abolishment. Okay. I'm not saying that I am, but yep. I'm saying like I would part of me it, <laughs> it feels disingenuous for me to, to for me to say for me for Matt um I'm not saying take all your guns away cuz part of me is like I kind of am saying like <laughs> I mean sure. like in my heart of yeah. hearts like I'm kind of like no I kind of think we should just take all your sure. guns away. I'm just being and I'm just being honest. Um I'm not even saying I would vote that way necessarily but it would be disingenuous to say that. I don't think that. Yeah. Um, but I, I my big thing my challenge for people whether you're a responsible gun owner or a new gun owner you're thinking about it maybe you weren't and now that things are getting wild you're thinking about it for the first time maybe you're you are an elite I don't know how many seals listen to our like <laughs> podcast but like you could if you're seal team six listening to this right now no matter who you are or where you are on the spectrum my challenge for you especially as a Christian but I think this is one of those rare instances on the podcast where we're just talking about as a a human being, so if you do not ascribe to the teachings of Jesus, think about this. Be realistic with yourself about how much of your gun ownership is about a power fantasy. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's 2% of it. Maybe it's 10% of it. Maybe it's half. Maybe it's all of it. Just be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, honestly, this is not about a power fantasy for me. Because... Those things are real. Again, as a person who for my whole life has read comic books, a, a whole genre of things for the most part that that falsely um – sort of assert that if you just punch a thing then you've done good you know? sure, like, just, yeah. just I always joke with people about how Batman is basically just a rich person who goes into the night dressed up in tights and beats up poor people and mentally ill people like that's really in real life, I love Batman I have Batman tattooed on me but that's really who Batman is right <laughs> um, so I the, don't underestimate the um, influence that power fantasy has on us in this country because of the media because of the media because of video games because of comic books because because of novels because of narrative because of of feeling helpless in a lot of you know helplessness is really what drives a power fantasy is that fit that feeling of like man i wish that i could just get to work faster and and have fun while i'm doing it and then you open up like a you watch a spider-man movie and you're like this dude's swinging all over the place like yeah. that's my power fantasy yeah. i love it um just be realistic with yourself about that that's all and 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 if you can honestly look in the mirror and be like, "Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it, and my my gun ownership is a little bit that I like like to I feel cool when I like fire it or whatever." I'm not even saying that means you should give your gun away. Just be realistic with it. Just start by being real with yourself. Um, A friend of mine that. I used to work with and that runs a, a Dungeons and Dragons game that we do. He is the perfect example of someone who I know knows how to. he shot um, like skeet and like sh- sports shooting all through high school and was like highly ranked in the state that he grew up in. He is a dude that I would literally smack in the face and then let shoot an apple off of my head <laughs> and not and never once would think this person's going to shoot me with their gun or anyone mm-hmm. or whatever shoot anyone he's a good example. So like those people exist. I'm not sure. Absolutely. He is a perfect example of a, of someone who I fully trust with a gun (laughs) because I know him. Um, But yeah, I just, I guess that's my thing is like looking back on my brief gun ownership and my unhealthy attitudes about violence and, and um, anger uh, or whatever, a big factor in it was a power fantasy that I had. That was that. Yes media did play a role into it but really that was more about having been picked on or beat up at some point in my life yeah. and needing to somehow reconcile that by being tough
1: yeah and it's not that media doesn't play we're not, we're not yeah, saying I mean, that like, it doesn't we know that it does right. it just i think it's just again to the power perspective and everything too it's also just some wisdom like for instance as a responsible gun owner uh it's not about taking away freedom right because I, for me, I'm like, okay, like you, you can responsibly own your, I got family members who I think are very responsible with their guns. One, one in particular um, would be, and I'm totally cool with that. Like I tr- I would trust that and everything. And, but what I don't understand is like sometimes when the conversation, when you, you might go around this idea back and forth with just saying like, well, why don't we have similar rules that we do for driving a car? Let's just do that. You can still own your 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 gun to keep in your home, but why don't we just have similar rules that you have to be proficient to a certain level and you have, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There there are things that we can do including like mental health stuff and background checks and there are things that can be done mm-hmm. that are are good for people. Mm-hmm and doesn't necessarily have to take away your, your right to own a gun. Mm-hmm. And I think so. some of that stuff is what ends up, I don't know, I get annoyed sometimes with some of those conversations because I remember talking with someone who just made mention of, well, if someone breaks into my house, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm, I'm like, how good of a shot are you? Mm-hmm. Do you even know? You know? And he's like, well, well and I'm like, what if he's holding a knife? You're just going to shoot him? He's like, well, he could... He could do something else with that knife. Like, well, then just get a taser. Right. Yeah. Would you be willing spray. to get a taser or Never been pepper sprayed? It's or- a terrible, <laughs> terrible. But anyway, I think that there's and you, people can argue and debate those parts of it. But I think right. you're spot on by just having some introspective around that power moment. Yeah. Like internally.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, some of the the conversation is misdirected you know publicly so when we're talking about policy and, and all that it's misdirected by the same thing that a lot of these social issues are misdirected by one of them is the slippery slope argument which yeah. is just not great <laughs> it's not a great argument like
1: it's people not, especially not in this case it's right, terrible
0: yeah like people are not um like a banning assault rifles is not gonna like create this land this mudslide of civil civil liberties until they are like taking away all of your guns right yeah um it's just It's not a strong argument. Like, if you talk to a forensics person, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's slippery slope. Go with that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, no lawyer is going to be like, do the slippery slope argument. Um, I think the slippery slope is a thing. And I think also it's that value. there's a difference between valuing your freedom and idolizing your freedom. Valuing your freedom is like, yeah, it is important to me that I am able to own a XYZ type gun. Idolizing your freedom is, well it's not my fault that that guy's crazy and shot a bunch of people yeah. so it's n- so don't it shouldn't have an effect on me mm-hmm. like that's putting your freedom as an idol above all other things um, so I think that's another thing we need to like that fine line between valuing your freedom to uh, to you know to abide by the second amendment or, or wait
1: Second Amendment. second Amendment, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and, and idolizing your freedom to the point where you don't care what anybody else does or doesn't do, or how many people die. No one's going to impede on your X, Y, Z. Yeah, um, and I
1: think it also too. Again, the layers to this conversation run so deep. When, mm. when people talk about pro life things, right? And and I'm in, I'm in on the pro life stuff. But when you can't be pro life on this stuff, yeah, then, then we're not really pro life, right? So when politicians do what they're doing and blocking things and not come into, I mean, I think it was 2012, I think, when President Obama with, with Newtown and Connecticut mm-hmm. and Sandy Hook and everything, we felt like something's got to get done. And we're here we are seven years later. Yeah. And so to me, we've had plenty of, quote unquote, pro-life candidates, you know, that aren't being pro-life around this. Right. You know, so I'm sorry, the pro-life argument of voting for someone that isn't pro-life on this issue, it falls short for me. Right. When people make that argument. I
0: mean, I would agree. Like, it's kind of like the, when we had the abortion episodes, you made that point of like, well, what about the rights of the baby? Well, I would say, why are your civil liberties, why, why is your right to own a gun more important than the rights of the people who have now been killed? Like, those people don't have any rights anymore. All of their rights have been taken from them. They don't, they're dead. They don't have a right, you know, ultimately they're free. But, like, they don't, they're, they, you have landslid all of their rights out. Um, and we just have to, you know, we gotta, we gotta struggle with that.
1: Um. Just gotta think more about it. And I think, you know, I wrote down a few things just because, again, our faith plays into this too. And Lacey sat down with me. I was, I think it was that Sunday night after we were reading about Ohio and everything. And she just looked over me. She's like, what do we do? Right. Like, seriously, what, what in the world do we do and how can we make a difference? And, and, you know, there's obviously like, how do you raise your kids? Like that makes a difference mm-hmm. and, and those kinds of things. And, and so I, I just, I wrote a few things down here. Just again, I feel like I get a little pastoral moment at the end of every episode, <laughs> yeah. but I should make a, some, like a little like, <laughs> jingle yeah, for the pastoral moment. <laughs> um, but I, you know, there are a few things I just wrote down. I The first thing is don't ever defend p- the political rhetoric that's going on. You know, don't, don't go all in with a certain side on this. Don't just repeat kind of the same things over and over and over again. I think that there, we run this great risk because repeatedly, I mean, Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, You know, Paul talks about being peacemakers in the community. You go all the way back to Jeremiah 29, when it talks about uh, living in the city, we're bringing the shalom, the well being of the city. It, you're being peacemakers. And so when you just stick to a political talking points on things, we're not really being peacemakers. Part of us as Christians are supposed to, we say we have the good news, you know, and so we'll say things, like, well, this isn't a gospel issue. And in my head, I'm like, I mean, people are dying. Hmm. And we've got a very violent culture in our country. We've got gun problems in our country. It is a It is a gospel issue. Does it, does it mean it's the uh, that it's more important than Jesus dying and like some people are like well no the gospel is that Jesus died and he rose again I understand the gospel I'm just saying that what plays into it is we if we as Christians say we have good news then part of that is speaking into the life and bringing life into this conversation which we're supposed to be peacemakers mm-hmm. in this and what does that look like and a lot of times you and I have talked about this too before, that part of the the idea of being a Christian is surrendering and sacrificing. Mm -hmm. And if if it requires us to sacrifice maybe some freedoms or sacrifice maybe some comfort or sacrifice, you know, instead of being able to get a gun in two days, it takes 18 months, but it saves three lives. Mm. Why wouldn't we want to do that as people that are, are life giving peacemakers in our communities that should be at the forefront of saying, if this will work, I'm all in mm-hmm. and not just immediately go to like, well, the Democrats want this or Republicans want this. It just, how do we as, as peacemakers in this process? And so, um, a couple of the things that I wrote down were the culture in our cities matter. And this is why I think we talk about generosity a lot at our church in different ways, but our, our city's culture matters. And we have churches all over the city and Christians all over in Richmond. We'll just talk about Richmond. So our ability to impact and influence this culture has a deep impact on the violence in our cities, has a deep impact in the gun debate and the death of people that we are placed in our cities to make them better. And we aren't here to take. We're here to, to be givers and we're here to make a big difference and and that can be in just so many different ways. I think there's a reality that if we can if we can change the culture, um, you change the narrative as well. Because part of like all of this is there's this narrative that's going on and everything. And if we can help change the culture in our city through our generosity, through the partnerships that we have, through the way we might um, figure out ways of what are the most susceptible people to some of this stuff and, and how can we engage as best as we can, it'll never be perfect, but... We can make a massive difference in Richmond that will then begin to lower the impact of uh, maybe whether it's anger issues or education or um, things with poverty and welfare or speaking out against white nationalism or whatever it is. There are things that we can actually get engaged in as Christians that will make a difference in this gun uh, debate. Uh, I think, stop saying thoughts and prayers. Straight (laughs) up. I know it sounds weird. I mean, Pray. I'm, we, we are believers in prayer. We, I, we do think prayers make a difference and we believe in the supernatural element to all of that stuff, but prayers uh, prayers need action to go along with that. Uh, I think that's an incredibly important... I heard this quote, uh, I, it might even have been this morning, it was recently, it says, there's something incredibly hypocritical about praying for a problem that you are unwilling to resolve. Mm. And, and so... When you're when you're just gonna pray about it but not willing to do anything about it, man. That's again, that's not how we're supposed to engage. And I think we need a sense of deep repentance as Christians and how we contribute to this culture, how we contribute to um, defending, uh, you know, the hatred that's involved in this. The um, I don't know why, but this has been like stuck in my um, in my brain. Uh, two passages. Uh, that i just want to read that second chronicles seven fourteen says then if my people who are called by name my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land and people always talk about that but they never they never focus on the part that god's saying if my people mm. and if we want to make a big difference i think that first starts with repentance of how we contribute to this and then the other thing in Matthew 23, when when Jesus is talking, he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. And he's talking to the religious people saying, yeah, you got your fancy veneer, and you act like you got it all together. But you know what you're doing behind behind there? Mm. Like you're you're selfish, you're prideful, you're greedy. You want power, you want wealth, you want influence. And I think about all this stuff that happens. Policy stuff aside, I will never understand why a Christian can defend the rhetoric that is used in any kind of political like conversation right now. Like I, when you can read our president's Twitter, and I I was at the back. Policy aside, I don't there's no way as a Christian you can defend it. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And that's part of I believe what contributes to this culture. And I know someone might hear this like, what about what the left is doing? I get it. Like there's mm-hmm. stuff over there too. But I'm just saying that it's the whole idea that what's really going on here is we've got to get to the core of all of this as Christians and how so when Matt Fisher sits down with Jenny and Cash and Claribel at home. It's like what does this mean for me to make a difference here first and then kind of go out from there and what has to go on but it's got to start with you, right? It's got to start with me and then we build it out from there. And that's if we don't do that as Christians and then we don't get involved in our communities and make a difference and and all that stuff then it's just going to get worse.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, it's good for people not to rest on their laurels, right? Like so It would be easy for Jenny and I to just say, well, it's enough that we don't do gun, like, so that we don't own a gun or that we vote anti-gun or whatever, you know, vote pro-gun control. And that's enough. But, like, we're not really giving anything up because we've already gotten to a place where we don't want or need guns. So, for us, it's like, it's hard for me to tell my eight-year-old he can't play Fortnite because all his friends are playing Fortnite, and that's hard. Like that's a sacrifice that we make is me having to constantly have that conversation with them. For me personally, <clears throat> it's hard for I really nothing would give me more pleasure than to take a hundred dollars at Christmas and go buy Nerf guns. Mm-hmm. Like tons of nerf and I'm not saying that like, oh, if you buy Nerf guns, yeah, your kid's yeah, gonna yeah. shoot somebody, but for us that's like a thing that's like a way that we sacrifice and like i would love to buy cash and Clarabelle and i a bunch of nerf guns and have nerf gun wars yeah and maybe we'll get there one day but like yeah. right now our stance is we don't guns are not toys we don't play with guns right and that's hard so i think that's um and we're not doing it perfect there's other stuff but i think that also as your heart changes so too will your behaviors and your attitude on this thing right like for me, I didn't really I didn't really understand why I shouldn't have a gun until years later when my heart changed, right? I didn't really understand why if someone drunk at a bar says something to me, I shouldn't punch them, right, until years later. Um, and even now, it continues. Like, I can't remember. I was just thinking. I love video games, and I definitely don't just play, like, Super Mario. I play all sorts of crazy video games. But I can't think of the last time I had, a like, a... What they call a first-person shooter, like a uh, like Call of Duty. Mm. I just don't. I don't want to play those things anymore. And I used to love them. I just don't want to. Like, I don't want to shoot anybody else. You know. Right. And that's not. Again, that's not to say I totally. You know, go back to the episode about Game of Thrones. Like, I don't. We don't super um, censor our media. Like, I still play games with blood and guts in them, but it's like vampires or like you know whatever. It's like fake fully fully fake I don't want to play video games where people I don't want to play Grand Theft Auto it's not me wanting to and then being like oh I shouldn't I my heart has changed I don't want to play those things anymore so I would just say like continue to pray about it and maybe find out that um, your as your heart changes your attitudes will change Um, and so will those of the you know the attitudes of those around you
1: yeah Um, And, and it's too like I mean I've played nerf guns with my kids right you know, and we're not a gun family at all, right? You know, and so, and and but we have conversations around it. And we have conversations about some other stuff too. So it really is just having some time to really think through some of this stuff. And and again, I grew up. I mean, <laughs> I grew up on Nintendo mm-hmm. and you know Atari yeah. and yeah. You can only be so violent
0: with like four <laughs> pixels and.
1: <laughs> but you know, and I had friends who had guns. I mean, we had kids in our high school that. Had, gun racks mm-hmm. you know in their pickups you mm-hmm. know and stuff like that and no I didn't grow up like in rural, rural New York mm-hmm. it was just really a small hometown but but we didn't have like this stuff and so there's something else going on too that is on the inner level that's what i mean even in particular as christians it's the the inner part of our souls that's like so corrupt right now uh that we've got to deal with and i think we just have a massive no matter what i'm all for putting certain laws in place to help make differences and everything but the reason why we need so many laws is because we're so corrupt. Right. So every time I hear like we need more laws, we need more laws in the in the same way that's being said, and I'm for it to restrain evil. But and then whenever I hear someone start saying that, the other thing that's coming into my head is is we are getting more corrupt and more evil and and making it more normative. And I think we're. Even within the church, we are allowing it to happen as Christians and we're justifying it through a political side or to your point, um, idol- having idolatry, idolatry uh, with freedom. Right. So, yeah.
0: And I think with with the idea of like, oh, video games are the problem or movies are the problem or da, 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 da. it's it's like this in my head. It's like this. If you got lung cancer, you don't just go, I'll stop smoking. Like no, you got to get surgery. <laughs> like you, first, get the surgery and then also stop. Don't just do that and then. So in the same way, like we got to do something about this gun thing, yeah, immediately. But we can't do that and then also not address these other issues and expect yes. that in ten years or twenty years that cancer won't come back, right? Um, so I don't want people to. I, I hear on my side of things, I hear a lot of more liberal or like left voices being like, "Oh, video games are not the problem," and it's like they're not the problem but they're a problem. part of it yeah. so like let's yeah. um and i guess my last thought that i just i really didn't want to end without getting across is regardless of where you're at politically whatever so sociologically don't feel like you have to like your belief system politically shouldn't be a house of cards where if you pull one out at all yeah absolutely falls. like you don't i feel like there's a thing with both sides where you feel like if you buddy up with your, you know, liberal churchmate about guns, then all of a sudden you're, like, not conservative anymore. It's like – or if you're, you know, if maybe you really just wish all guns would go away, but you're, like, you could buddy up with a conservative friend about um, about gun – common sense gun laws, as they say, that you're suddenly not, not, you know, on, you know, your thing anymore. You've lost your identity somehow. Like, first off, your identity shouldn't be in your political leaning. But secondly, like, it's not like you – you pull out one card and the whole thing falls over. Like if I'm wrong about guns, maybe I'm wrong about taxes. And it's like, it doesn't have, it's not that way. Yeah. Like that's a binary. I think that we, um, ascribe to. It's just not,
1: just so that's not the true. narrative. That's always out there too. Right. Right. You know, Yeah. you're either on our team or you're not. I remember we, we both read that article when black Panthers had guns. Mm-hmm. All the conservative Republicans were all for gun control, <laughs> all for it, you know, and, uh, Ronald Reagan, helped pass things in California. He was aggressive on gun control, mm-hmm. you know? And so, again, the, the narrative that gets put out there right now, yeah. just that all feeds into our heads, just doesn't solve anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, good convo. Yeah. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, um, or uh, suggestions about other things we could talk about, um, go ahead and email them in to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Again, that's staycurious at hillcityrva.com. We've also set up a um, landing page really quickly so that if you want to share the episode but you're not sure, um, or if you want to share the podcast but you're not sure if people use iTunes or Spotify or whatever, you can um, share hillcityrva.com slash stay hyphen curious. Again, that's hillcityrva.com slash stay hyphen curious. Um, make sure to rate and review us, share us, um, so that we can get more people in on the conversation and we will see y'all next time.